I can promise you that Rob and I did not plan this, um, but the opening of my sermon has to do with the story, um, and the, the stories we tell uh, in, with our lives, and the stories we imagine in other people's lives are, are of high impact to our demeanor. So like, what I mean by that is, um, if you're... Uh, at a restaurant, and the waiter or waitress is um, is is having a bad part of their story. But all you see them as is someone whose job it is to serve you right now and do good, so that your story doesn't get ruined. You will see them as not a human, and so we we. We tell stories about the people around us, and we tell stories about ourselves to ourselves. And it's those stories that, um, that, that will, in the end, affect whether we have impacted the world. And, and the way we view other people's stories will affect how we impact them. And what church is, is this, this large string of stories all kind of coming together and being not evaluated by each other, but interwoven with one another so that we are stronger together than we were apart. And the story of God, as it unites with the story of man, does more for God and more for man than we could ever have imagined. See, when you get married, you join two stories together. You don't know that at the beginning. You, you think a lot of young, like, kids about to get married, if they've, they've, we met each other in college our freshman year, and now it's our sophomore year, and we're getting hitched, and um, and you're like, oh my goodness, how's that going? Oh, well, we, had, we don't even fight. We've never even fought. Okay, let's get married and see how it goes. Why don't you fight first? And then we'll talk. You need to know whether he raises his voice too much, and he needs to know whether she gets the knives out. It's just, you've got to know that. When you, when you have these joining of two lives, what, you have this, this full story of the person coming together, and you're going to get decades in and find out bits of information that would have been helpful decades ago. And that's why commitment's important in marriage, because you're just sticking it out until you learn the bits that are important about the story that you're joining. When you have a child, there's no beginning to the story. There's no, 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 no previous story. To that, that day, that child comes into its own story. And it starts. They have brothers and sisters, and how many brothers and sisters they have impacts the whole thing. My sister is going to have her seventh child um, in June. Um, she, we, we found out over Thanksgiving that she was pregnant. I thought about um, throwing a, like a picture of an ultrasound up here and be like, good news, guys. 
My sister's pregnant. Well, that would have been cruel. Y'all would have thought it was Rachel for a second, and Rachel would have thought it was Rachel for a second, and I might have gotten murdered before I got the punchline out. But when a child is born, most of the time, that child's existence, that child's story starts day one. That's what's so interesting about the birth narrative of Jesus is that that story has been going for a while now. And God shows up to that, to the world as a child. But God's been from the get-go shaping this to where it needs to go. And so when the child, Jesus, is born, there's a, there's a continuation, not a beginning. It's the beginning of the fulfillment of the whole story, but it's not the beginning of the story. And sometimes we can, as Christians, feel uh, like Christmas is this time of, of um, chill bumps and um, warm and tinglys. Um, but sometimes that's just the flu. And sometimes it's, it's like, oh, I, I, saw that, um, I saw that one commercial. I love that commercial that brings back. Uh, I saw this, this family member that I only see at Christmas and they're so fantastic. And I wish I could see them more. And Christmas can give us this, this wonderful feeling. But what hap the story that is continuing because of the birth of Jesus, the story that is continuing through the birth of Jesus shouldn't just give us a wonderful feeling. It should make us wonderful humans. It should affect our lives consistently. It should change us. And so, for today, we're, next week and the following weeks, we're going to be in the actual birth of Jesus story. But today, I want to start in Philippians 2. And it's going to be on the screen, but Philippians 2, we'll start in verse 6. It's talking about Jesus, and it says, Jesus, who, being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. That's the Christmas story, isn't it? Jesus was God, and cons but even though he was equal to God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own purposes. So instead, to rescue us, made himself nothing, becoming a man, being made in human likeness. That's a way of saying he was, he was a child. Being made in human likeness. And being found in, his, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death, on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, that tells the 
what the the what we have in the Christmas narrative is this this continuation of a story, but it's this climax where God decides that God's going to come to earth. That there were no faithful Israelites, so God became the faithful Israelite. There were no there were no earthly saviors, only a heavenly one. So the heavenly one became an earthly one. And this this continuation of the story where we say, I'm gonna have to become a human. And what's crazy is God could have just poofed into a grown man. But became a child. You're not really a human if you don't have a fully human story. If you don't have a first memory. If you don't have a uh, a, a time where you fell and hurt yourself and limped home and tried to pretend you weren't hurt because you knew the thing you were doing that got you hurt would get you in trouble with your parents. You don't have a fully human story. You're not fully human. You don't have, a, you don't have that moment, those moments where you grow and where you learn and where you figure things out. And Jesus had all that. God chose all that. A lot of times people say, well, if I knew, if I, if I knew everything whenever I was a teenager that I know now, I, I wish I could go back and do it all over again knowing all the things I know now. But if you didn't, if you didn't live the life you lived not knowing things, if you didn't live the ignorant life, you wouldn't have learned the learned life. If you weren't dumb and obnoxious, you wouldn't be wise and wonderful. That's how you get there. And it's the story. Jesus, Jesus lived that story and became something fantastic so he was he got Jesus was the man that God created men to be and men couldn't handle it men couldn't tolerate it so they crucified him and he conquered death and that whole story is one that we could sit back and watch from Christmas to Easter and we can say oh that is fantastic Praise God that God became man and conquered death. The whole story. And we can even take the teachings in there and we can say, oh yes, that, those are fantastic teachings. But when we're looking at the story, Paul does not want us to, to look away from what it should be doing to us. Just the fact that he became he didn't consider equality with God something to be taken, used to its own advantage. So he became man, humbled himself, became a man, and being in appearance as a man and walking around like a man, he humbled himself to death, and not just death, but death on a cross. And God exalted him because he humbled himself. And humbling himself wasn't just from humanness to cross. It was from God to human. And when we look at that, the entirety of that story, if all we get from it is, well, Merry Christmas. Instead, what Paul was trying to, go, uh, to talk to them about, and we can jump back to verse 3. 
in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as the Messiah, the Christ, the King, Jesus. Paul inserts that bit about what Jesus did, the becoming man, the becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross and was exalted. He inserts that into a conversation about how we should treat each other. But what it looks like to be, in, not just human, but in human relationships with one another. In your relationships with one another, do it like Jesus. Well, you, what do you mean, like walk around and have people follow me and, make, and walk on water? Like, what do you mean? When, I, when, when you say do it like Jesus, what do you mean, Paul? Well, let me, let's start with step one, Paul says. He was God and became man. God humbled himself to man. Man humbled himself to cross, to death. The humbling of God should not create the arrogance of Christians. What it should create is the humbling of us. We follow Jesus. We follow Jesus down into the tomb. We follow Jesus down into humility. Down into where, where I, I know my story is not the most important story in the room. That me getting my way is not the most important thing going on. That in a church setting or in a family setting or in a marriage or with your children, that you... you you model humility, you're modeling Jesus. And you're not just modeling like one of those elements of Jesus where we go, oh look, it was nice that he was like that. Wouldn't it be nice if we were like that? Paul says, you, you, in your relationships with one another, act like Jesus. And Jesus, he doesn't say, you remember that time Jesus was with a widow? Or he says the whole thing was humility. The whole thing from God to man man to death, death on a cross. And then because of that humility, God does the exalting. I don't need that. I can't lift myself higher than God's going to lift me. I can't exalt myself like God's going to exalt me. So I can either try now and fail or humble myself and submit. To what God wants for me. The Christmas story tells the story of descendants. A descent into God to human, human to death, death to cross, cross. It's the beginning of a downward slant. A child in the manger. I've seen a lot. <laughs> I've seen a lot. I don't know if, just, if it's just my particular feed on Facebook, but I've seen a lot of ministers. Well, you know, it really wasn't a barn. It was a, 
it was, I'll show you the diagram. It was more of a room and see it goes in there and then the thing. Okay, whatever. He, he was God and became man. Can we get over the details of the story? The three wise men really didn't show up until later because if you read the story, it's actually, God became man. Stop exalting yourself with ridiculous facts. Sounds like something someone probably said on a news show this morning. Stop lifting yourself up with like, Oh, well, we know better because, you know, Jesus was probably born. Why would the shepherds be out that late? If it was in December, it'd be really cold. He's probably born in July. I don't care. He was born. Keep waking up a child. I'm sorry. And adults. But I'm not sorry for waking up the adults. The children is the problem. <laughs> like, let's, let's just zero in on God-man. Can, can we just do that? And not just so that we can applaud in the stands, but so that we can follow Jesus down that path. Today, this week, because of Christmas, not because of the Christmas spirit, but because the example that Jesus gave, that God gave from what we see in the birth, that I'm going to humble myself. Less of me. More for others. You know, sometimes that means less for my kids, more for others. Sometimes that's, that's hard. But that slow, that, that humbling, if, if God can do it, I can do it. If God can do it, you can do it. Because I'm guessing... Perfect to imperfect is a lot further journey from imperfect to humble. God had further to go. And he's asking you, Paul says, in your relationships with one another, be like Jesus. And he points to Jesus coming to earth. And you can't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You can't think that your way obviously is the best way. Even if it is 99% of the time. Like Rob. No, even if it is, like even if you, you, you're a wise person, you make, you make good decisions. But do you remember whenever you were a child and your parent let you help whether it was crack the eggs into the cookie dough or whether it was, um, I have no idea if eggs, does cookie dough have eggs? Yes. Okay, good. I don't know. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Brownies have eggs. You're not supposed to eat that. I get those confused because I eat all of it. The batter, I eat all the batter. It doesn't matter. You remember when you were trying, my dad was building something and I'd go out and I would, I would, I would stand there and he would, he would say, hey, uh, uh, hand me the wrench, the, this wrench. I'm sorry, this one, he'd say, that's, no, that's, that's a ball-peen hammer. Just go inside. <laughs> he wouldn't, well, though. He would, no, no, no. Um, and he would say, that it's, it's right there. He could have much easier just stood up and walked over there and picked it up. But because he's, he's, he's letting me into what he's doing, 
doesn't mean that I'm right and he's wrong. It means he's humbling himself for relationship's sake. It's not about rightness and wrongness. It's not about whether your way is better or correct. That's not the question we're asking. The question is, are you willing to humble yourself for the sake of the relationships with others? Oh, but I'm right. Paul did not say, in your relationships with others, be like Jesus, who was right. He said, in your relationships with others, be like Jesus, who humbled himself and humbled himself humbled himself. The feeling we get around Christmas is joy. But the lesson we should get is humility. What we see Jesus do for us. It's one of the things we do whenever someone gives their life to Jesus. When everyone says, I want to follow Jesus. we, We baptize them that day. Because what we're doing is we're saying they are, and that's the way the one, that's the way they did it in the New Testament. But even more so than that, we're, we want them to not just humble themselves to, I need someone to follow, but what we're saying is you're journeying down into death, death into the grave, conquering that grave. As Paul says, as Paul says, Uh, In Romans, all of you who were baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You walk in newness of life. There's a a commitment to Jesus, but it's not just a commitment to Jesus. It's Jesus' commitment to you. And so if your story needs to combine with Jesus' story today, if you need to humble yourself and in your relationships, be affected by Jesus, not just by His teachings, but His actions. If you need to be baptized into His death, burial, and resurrection, today's your day. Come forward as we stand and sing.